Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I went from a 20 grand bankroll gambler to opping it because I was just, hey, I got all this money, you know, whatever. And uh, we're at about 600 grand. So I basically just tripled my stock. And I get this email from the CEO that was going to all the shareholders. These other shareholders have been sitting around waiting for this to happen for the last six years. I just happened two months ago. Welcome back to the Digital Social Hour, guys. I'm your host, Sean Kelly. Got an amazing guest for you guys today, John Sarasani. How's it going? Excited to be here, my man. Blue Wire Studios, Las Vegas, and the win. I mean, it doesn't get better than this. Just hoping uh, this visit doesn't cost me 100 grand by uh, what I'm going to do afterward. Oh, man. What's the most you've lost? You're going right there, huh? <laughs> uh, all right. I've never admitted this, and I, I, I will right now. <laughs> When I sold my company um, and I uh, fulfilled my employment contract, I had a little a little stretch between December of 2019 and March of 2020, going right into the pandemic. Mm. And I went from a 20 grand bankroll gambler to opping it because I was just, hey, I got all this money, you know, whatever. And uh, yeah, let's just say between two Vegas trips and three Bahamas visits, uh, <laughs> we're, we're at about 600 grand. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Now, now we will not leave it there though, because in 2022, I went 12 for 12 next door at the Palazzo and won about 490 of it back. Just an FYI. Whoa. Just an FYI. 12 for 12 and what? Exactly. Uh, blackjack. And the real thing that got me, man, Venetian, <laughs> I think they all, all well, I not think I know all these casino hosts share information of their players. Okay? Yeah. Now, Venetian finds out about me, invites me on a private jet. Boeing 737 business jet. I mean, mm. I didn't even know that existed. It was awesome. Uh, come out, do everything to the nines, and uh, end up taking them for like 70 grand. Okay, cool. They end up inviting me back out two months later, invite me into this poker tournament. Mm. Only 36 people invited. You're inv- it's a um, half a million dollar tournament. Grand prize is a quarter million. Okay. Boom, I come out, I win. Okay. So I'm looking, I'm up 320 on the Venetian right, right <laughs> off the bat. So they keep inviting me back and I keep winning. Um, that 250 grand one was the biggest, but uh, I've, had, I've had a couple of good okay, ones. Okay. So you're a bit of a degenerate. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I had uh, the Mirage actually put me in their villas, the people the Mirage, the Hard Rock on them, and they put us in the villas there and they, they marked me as a advantage player. Oh. Which I'm not, which basically is saying like you're doing something. You could count, right? Exactly, I'm not counting cards, I just 
just got fucking lucky, man. Yeah, 2022, 2022 is my year, pal. Man. So was that the year you sold your company, 2022? No, I sold it in 2015, um, but I had to do, because the nature of the business I was in, I had to, um, I had to uh, uh, fulfill an employment contract. And, okay. and that was five years long, which I know sounds crazy for an employment contract when you sell. Yeah. But it was insurance brokerage. I was doing corporate employee benefits, and it's so relationship driven mm. that they need those five years to institutionalize your your um, gotcha. business. So you didn't get the money till five years after you technically sold it. It's a great question. No, I got eighty percent of it up front. Okay, thirty five percent of that I took in stock, which is a story in itself. Um, and then they withheld twenty percent until that thirty six month mark. Mm. So. You're motivated up into that 36 month mark. You got to make sure that revenue stays on the books. Yeah. Those last two years, you kind of feel like dead, dead man walking. <laughs> You're stressed <laughs> like, out. Yeah. But a lot of people were, that were in the same position as me it was a private equity roll up. So they were doing the same model for everybody. Mm. And some of these guys, you know, are in their 60s looking to retire and they're sailing off into the sunset. You had, you had some people my age, but they maybe had seven or eight different partners at their company that was bought and maybe their book of business or their their um, profit margins weren't as good as mine. So yeah. so they would still be motivated after that, after that year three because they're not able to, you know, live on a beach at that point. I, yeah. And I, I basically was. <laughs> I'm glad you said the stock thing. I sold one of my companies for stock and I would never do it again. Really? I mean, because they could show you insane numbers on paper, but at the end of the day, is it actually liquid, you know? Brother, this is my this is my claim to fame, though. This is my private equity case study and and how it could go the opposite way, okay, in a, in a good way. I sold April of 2015. Okay, now I don't know about private equity. All right, I'm like, okay, here's a gotcha. They're making you take this percentage of your in in, in stock of the new company. Mm. All right, fine. I'm Shout out to Policy Genius, today's sponsor. The holidays not only allow us to spend time with family, but they are a reminder of how important our responsibility is to protect them. That includes planning to secure their future. Life insurance is an easy way to give your family peace of mind, provides a safety net, so if something were to happen to you, your family can cover expenses while getting back on their feet. Luckily, Policy Genius can help you compare your options from top companies and their team of licensed experts are on hand to talk you through it. You never know when you'll need life insurance. I've lost some loved ones over the past few years, and unfortunately, none of them had life insurance. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Even if you already have a policy through work, it may not offer enough protection. So check out Policy Genius. Your family deserves peace of mind. Head to policygenius.com slash DSH or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com slash DSH. Gonna do it. We're going through diligence, blah, blah, blah. Still makes sense. Okay. Well, two months after we close, the private equity firm changes hands to another private equity firm. Mm. I got in for like a buck oh eight per share. Yeah. It, it goes to $3.12 per share. Whoa. Two months after. And this was 35% of my deal. So I basically just tripled my stock and I get this email from the CEO that was going to all the shareholders. These mm. other shareholders have been sitting around waiting for this to happen for the last six years. I just happened two months ago. Mm. So I'm like, holy So my whole deal just went up. This was like, holy Now it was all on paper, right? Yeah. But because you had an event, um, a capitalization event, they were allowing you to pull half your money off the table, 50% of your money off the table. Mm. So everyone else in the company's high five and they've been waiting six years for this. Yeah. I'm scratching my head. 
dude, this was not money I even expected anyway. So my accountant, my lawyer is like, dude, it's a bird in the hand. It's better than two in the bush. Take the money, take the money, take it off the table. Then my accountant goes, but you are going to have to pay short-term capital gains on that. Right. Because I had just bought technically the stock, even though it was from selling my company, it was thought of as buying stock in a new company. Mm. And we're under the 12-month mark, which means you're going to get taxed federally as ordinary income tax, mm. which puts you around 40% Jeez. instead of 20%. And that, exactly. So I'm like, you know what? Leave it in. Yeah. So I leave all the money in. Now I'm one of the bigger shareholders at this damn company. Company continues to grow, 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 grow. Mm. At the four and a half year mark, right before I walked out the door, private equity changes hands again and it tripled again. So I like I had sold my company thinking the stock was just gonna stay the same, did all my math, my Excel spreadsheets. Okay, I'll be able to live a nice life, live off five, <laughs> live off five percent investment income, interest conservatively over the next you know thirty years. I'll never have to work again, and that was my plan. Yeah, and then the stock ended up being worth more than <laughs> more than the whole deal. Holy, it's like you know what, dude? I, gotta, I guess I, I guess I should open up about it more. Maybe it can work both ways. Yeah, but I feel like a lot of people stock goes down. Did you take it in the or what happened? Uh, it, it went to zero. Yeah. Well, okay, and you took one hundred percent of the deal in stock. Yeah. Wow. What yeah. was the nature of the company? It was a marketing agency. Okay. Yeah. So ours, yeah. I mean, insurance brokerage, corporate, private equity had squeezed every drop out of the sponge of every other industry. So now they looked at insurance and they were buying us for multiples of EBITDA. So I had a, ca a cash machine, man. I had an ATM machine. Right. So in order to incent me to even sell in the first place, they would have had to, have to have paid a, a good multiple, mm. in which they did. Um, and there was really no way with the private equity roll-up model that it could really go to zero. Yeah. That wasn't really on the table as an option. That makes sense. Yeah. So when you sold the company, you finally got all the money, where were you at mentally? Were you just like checked out of working? So what sucks, man, is, and I'm sure other people have experienced this as well, you know, you, you sell your company, but I have all these carrots in front of me and even a stick, not to get the 20% of, of that there's, it's still owed to me. So, Head to the ground, head to the ground, head to the ground. And I'm being this corporate guy for those first three years and high five and I'm on track to be an executive and all this other mm. signing up for committees, flying to help the Cincinnati office, make mm -hmm. this sale because they don't know what the they're doing, you know, like that. And eventually it's like, dude, what am I doing all this for? Mm. And, uh, you know, so I, I eventually kind of put the brakes on it. People start stepping on each other's toes. Egos get in the way. It became clear to people in the know what my net worth was at that point, which caused some animosity mm. because my timing was impeccable. It couldn't have worked out better from a timing perspective. Right. And you got this 37-year-old at the time that owns that owned 100% of the company he saved, sold versus these 55-year-olds that had six partners and not even a profit margin like me. Right. So now it starts to become clear. You know, this, yeah, do the committee yeah fly out there look how much money we made you look how much money we made you F you guys how much money <laughs> you guys <laughs> by the way that private equity firm selling the book of business what, what was the big profitable piece of this book of business collectively my not your yeah. you know what i mean but but they're like you know the process did make me a lot richer than i should have been yeah but, but um it still creates animosity you know so anyway my, my point was going to be that you know the last two years of that employment contract, it's like dead man walking. You right. have nothing else to do. So finally, when I saw, when I worked my last day, mm. now it was like, hey, let's party. You were fully checked out. Let's get, exactly. I'm like, let's get the out of here. It's December of 2019. 
went crazy for four months <laughs> and uh <laughs> and then pandemic hit so so you couldn't you know. <laughs> exactly exactly i took my kids to cabo we went we went to cabo cabo for a month during uh during the pandemic people thought i was but we had the trip planned we flew out before chicago had closed down we we're the only people on the airport and i'm like guys why we know the we know the the virus is coming to chicago any day now why why would i stay in chicago i have a chance to go to mexico we did just that. It didn't hit Mexico till later. So mm. we stayed in Mexico till they kicked us the hell out. Then we came back to Chicago. Smart. Yeah. And at first, oh, you're a terrible parent. How are you doing this? You're endangering your kids. Yeah. How would I endanger my kids by staying in Chicago, waiting for it, waiting for it to get us? You know what I mean? They brainwashed everyone during that time. Man. Yeah, exactly. I, it's like um, I stay away from that subject. But yeah, if, if I could scroll back on my Facebook wall from, you know, whenever that was, I'd be like, ah, oh, <laughs> I told you, I told you. Oh, man. Yeah. So you never have to work a day in your life now. So like, what's that like? What's that feeling like for you? feels good, man. It feels good. You know, I came from a very middle-class background, uh, Schaumburg, Illinois, and my social media, I like to talk about that a lot. Mm -hmm. My dad was a high school gym teacher <clears throat> and, and football coach. Mm -hmm. um, I have a great family. Both of my parents, unfortunately, have passed in, in recent years. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. I, I think, um, you know, some of the shit I'm involved in now is um is puts me in circles with people that i wouldn't have been you know planning on rubbing elbows with right um for instance i i got in a network of people out in orange county and we bought the newport beach marriott hotel and part of the investment group that bought that and uh, we reimagined it now as the via it's awesome right right on uh, the pch i mean it's great sick and um i vacationed there when i was a kid wow you know, and my dad would save up money we do we do no vacations one summer and then the next every other year mm. we do something kind of cool outside of what you would think the normal budget would be for a for a teacher's family that's cool we go to hawaii and one year we went to newport beach and stayed at the newport beach of marriott so i'm mm. like unfortunately he passed away but yeah. i think he's probably, yeah, think, probably, he probably thinks that's he probably thinks that's pretty cool football played a big role in your life right you played at notre dame yeah that's really the only advantage bro that i that i think i've uh had um and it's really the privilege, I should say, more than an advantage. Um, I was always good at football. Um, you know, I had no business getting into, into a school like North or excuse me, like Notre Dame academically. Yeah, football got me in. But once you're there now, okay, you know, what do you do with this? Mm. You know, do you do you do you say, okay, I'm the I'm the jock, beat it beat it, nerds, or or do you embrace these kids mm. that you're sharing a dorm with? Yeah, yeah. Okay, this kid that you know, oh. That uh, building I was in for math class is named after that kid's great grandpa. You know what I mean? It, it, it takes you from, you know, being in, in Schaumburg to, to being around these kids that have grown up with generational wealth, mm. you know, and, um, and, and not just that too, really smart kids too, right. valedictorians that maybe didn't have that background. Um, but if you embrace that and, and kind of start picking up the that they're talking about they talk a lot different than me they're, well father did this <laughs> <laughs> um i you know but 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 don't hate on it yeah take take what you can from those relationships and some of them i'm still good friends with to this day interesting so yeah. were you like that high school bully the typical football kid that bullied everyone <laughs> i don't think anybody would ever call me a bully okay. from schaumburg i i think uh i i think the opposite i think uh yeah i i think the total opposite and, and people that didn't know me might have thought that but people that ever met me i don't I think anyone say that yeah because there's that notion with the football kids like you know bro and my, and my dad was the high school football was the football coach at my high school so, so if anyone's getting bullied it was me <laughs> it's like oh dude you're only getting you're only going to notre dame because your dad's the coach like, what the f 
Does, how does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not because I'm 6'5", 270 and <laughs> could run a 4'7". It's, it's because my dad's the coach. You were fast. What position were you? It's tight end. 470 yeah. at tight end with that weight? Bro, it, back then it was good. Nowadays, I watch this. I don't even know if I could play tight end of the league right now, bro. I'd have to play like, I'd probably have to gain 30 pounds and play center. These, yeah. these tight ends nowadays are like big receivers. They're nasty, man. Who, yeah. do, you, who do you got as your goat for tight ends? You got Kelsey? Uh, yeah, but, but dude, I go back, man. I, I like the blocking tight ends back in the day, yeah. bro. Um, there's a kid on the bears right now that went to Notre Dame named Cole Komet. I, I like him cause he could go out and catch passes, but he could, he also comes off the ball and blocks. Mm. Not that Kelsey can't, but I'm just saying a lot of these guys, dude, like Jeremy Shockey, if I'm like when he was playing, if I'm a running back, I'm not running behind Jeremy Shockey. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm a quarterback, I'm throwing him the ball, but I'm yeah. a running back. I'm not running behind him. Back when I was playing, dude, it was like, you know, big dudes like like ben Coates and you know um uh, mark bavaro those kinds of guys are my heroes that mm. could catch and, and black and yeah, it's, it's not, a different game now yeah tight ends are just not asked being asked yeah. to do it much did you want to go to the nfl yep hurt my spinal cord the last game of my senior year and uh it sucked bro it sucked it uh there's a thing in football that you get called stingers and everyone's kind of used to it if you if you played linebacker or fullback or, or line where you hit someone and your arm kind of goes numb for a three seconds. It's, yeah, I've heard of it. It's dude, it's so scary. Yeah, but you get used to it. Okay. All right. Well, I was getting those all my senior year. Okay, no big deal. Well, the last couple of games, I started getting them in my leg, mm. and you touch me like in my shoulder or neck. I'd feel the sensation like in my ankle. Whoa. So I get invited to play in this blue gray all star game. And it was on Christmas Day, and uh, they make you get a physical before before the game. Yeah. And um. Like two weeks out, it was, good. it was in Mobile, Alabama, I think. And um, I take my trainer, we go get a physical and, the, you know, whatever. And the doctor asked me, Man, anything feel weird or anything? And I just happened to mention this. Well, I've been getting stingers in my leg. Hmm. They're like, stingers aren't supposed to go in your leg. That's your arm. <laughs> <laughs> You know, let's do an MRI. Let's let's check this out. And uh, I'll never forget it, man. Me and my dad were at the doctor. They're, they're looking at the MRI results. And here, here I'm thinking I'm getting drafted in yeah. a few months. Um and they, they break it and go, listen, this is a contusion to your spinal cord. You're fine, but no one in the NFL is going to take you and you shouldn't want to play anyway because you're more apt to get uh, paralyzed Whoa. Yeah, because of this contusion. And looking right at it, I mean, there was really no – there's really no decision to be made, Sean. Like, you know what I mean? My mom has multiple – had multiple sclerosis and was in a wheelchair. It's like, okay, if you could choose between – being in a wheelchair or not being in a wheelchair the rest of your life, you know, yeah. and you wouldn't take that risk. But I got to tell you, though, man, it was also at the same time a big weight off my shoulder. Mm. I'd played five years in college, um, like a lot of people do. I had an early birthday. I was a December birthday. So by the time we're having these conversations, I'm 23 years old, man. Mm. I'm a grown man that's been playing football his whole life. Right. It's like, all right, time to, time to do something else. Mm. And then I jumped into the business world. Yeah. Were you super passionate about it? Because that seemed to be a, a big part of your life. Like, was NFL your dream? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone kind of, it's their dream, right? But but for me, dude, listen, I went and generated all of that energy toward being passionate about being a good salesperson in white-collar America. And mm -hmm. I learned so much in that competitive business-to-business -business sales environment mm -hmm. that by the time I was 27, all right, everybody else that was in the NFL was, 
out there looking for their first job. Their NFL careers are over. Right. When I was 27, I was taking the last five years of information that I've picked up and started my own company. Mm. Started it from my kitchen table, walked away from a job where I was making 140 grand a year, which was a lot back then in 2005. Mm-hmm. Turned around and started my own company. When I'm seeing guys that I played football with, you know, contacted me, hey, could you get me a job at your old company or, or whatever? I go, dude, you played on the Packers the last three years. <laughs> yeah, that was the last three years, dude. I made 250 grand each of the last three years. I still got to work the rest of my life. And then it kind of hit me, dude, how f-ed up football is. So my dad always used to say, like, not playing in the NFL might have been the best thing that ever happened for me. Really? Yeah, because I wouldn't have been Peyton Manning, dude. I would have played, you know, maybe two years if I was lucky or whatever. And I was injury prone at that point anyway. Yeah. Um, and I, and I just worry about it, man, because if you're not a first-round draft pick and you didn't get paid paid, dude, you think your doesn't stink. You're walking around. You're supposed to go get some accounting job for sixty grand a year now mm-hmm. when you just been on national TV signing autographs. I mean, that's something to your ego, man. That's something to your ego. Yeah. Not a lot of players actually make good money playing pro sports. No. If you dive into the numbers, like if you're not top 100 athlete. So if you look at the uh, NFL roster, I, I want to say like – 70% of the team is at the whatever the league minimum set up for yeah. that year. And the rest of the money is just being shifted to pay the quarterback or whomever. That's crazy. Or the backup quarterback nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> Why do the Bears suck? Because the fourth string quarterback makes more than the starting tackle. I don't know. That's funny, man. I saw you in some uh, videos with Bob Menry. How did that happen? Me and Bob made friends randomly, dude. And <laughs> I got to tell you, I got to tell you, man, I, I think Bob tries to gravitate towards whoever he deems is, uh, is good people. And I, I think I've got him that recognition from him. And uh, <laughs> he, he try, I, I help him with, um, with a few different things. But he, he's so funny because he tries to, like, pay me back <laughs> in the form of, like, Instagram stories. Hey, man. That was really nice of you to do that. I'm going to tag you in an Instagram post. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. I appreciate it. But I will say, though, man, his followers, some of his followers have started following me. Okay. And uh, it's it's hilarious. They'll, they'll DM me, hey, I'm really worried about Bob right now. He did this last night. I'm like, dude, I don't check his stories. They're going to have to just tell me exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. You know. Does he do his signature 12 a.m. FaceTime with you? <laughs> no, but I tell you what he has done. He's done, uh, he stayed at my condo in LA for a little bit and my son and I were out there too. So we got a full, full flavor of Bob for a few days <laughs> together. And, uh, he's kind of funny, man. Cause he'll be like FaceTiming randomly. But like, Hey John, come over here. Go, what? What? Come on. Dana White is FaceTiming. <laughs> hey Dana. He's hey, this is my friend, John. Hey Dana, how you doing? He's like, Dana's like, Hey, it's almost like Dana's like, used to bob's random phone calls with like this yeah, you know that's funny you had some hot takes on your instagram can i go through some of them yeah sure oh god let's hear it you said uh never listen to w2 employees for advice listen if you were like 400 pounds bro right? <laughs> <laughs> so say some guy that's 400 pounds is walking down the street like eating a donut all right are you gonna go up to him and say hey uh could you give me some dieting advice no no unless you're like a mean person right yeah yeah so if you have the entrepreneurial mindset, why the f- would you go to a W-2 employee and ask them what they think about you starting your own company? Mm. They don't f- get it. They don't understand it. Okay. They, they, they aren't programmed to think that way. They've been drinking the company Kool-Aid their whole life. Right. And even if they do understand it, they're not going to admit it. All right. Especially someone that's a little bit older than you. All mm. right. If you're in your twenties and this guy's in his forties or something, a terrible idea you you got to get through this from an accounting standpoint you got to get these lawyers this is what the licensing they kind of go like this with their f-ing head it's like <laughs> dude go ask an actual entrepreneur for that advice all mm-hmm. right because all these people you're asking are people that were too 
fucking scared yeah. to do it themselves. Did you struggle with that with your parents, trying to get advice from them for your business? Um, yeah, a little bit, but my parents, <laughs> my parents are funny because I, I think I, I think I give them hard, this is a bad joke because they actually both died of heart attacks later. <laughs> but but I, think I, I think I almost gave them heart attacks when, when I told them I was leaving Arthur J. Gallagher, which is based in the Chicago suburbs. It's an international insurance brokerage and their son, they're bragging about me to everyone. I was area vice president and I'm only 27 years old and I'm going to be climbing that corporate ladder and I'm going to be in upper management one day at Arthur J. Gallagher. Mm-hmm. Who gives a f- Who gives a f- so I go tell him, I go, guys, I'm going to start my own company. Well, John, where, where's your office going to be? Well, geez, I'm doing it at my house, my kitchen table. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to like put your, your 816 Sears Road and Schaumburg address on the, on the your business cards? No, no, I'm going to put Suite 300, 869 <laughs> East Schaumburg Road. Well, what is that? Well, it, it implies that I have the whole third floor of this grand office building. Mm. But it's actually the UPS store. It's a mailbox <laughs> of the UPS. Oh, that's funny. So it's like little things like that, and they look at me like I'm nuts. And yeah, it all it all worked, man. It all that's worked. Funny. Yeah. You also said it's it's usually cheaper to rent a house than to buy. I, I thought that take was interesting. Yeah, you know, and I and I I um I actually don't say usually in that people take it that way as if I'm making it a recommendation, and it's so funny how um how the nerve that got struck on that on that reel if you look through the comments i've actually posted it two different times yeah and it's the same amount of comments same you're an idiot you're a moron don't listen to this guy and it's a lot of times <laughs> because you're telling re- realtors are telling you always buy always buy always buy mm. all i'm saying is the math is this bro all right do the math figure it out because it's not a no-brainer to buy a house at all the time and i gotta tell you after college i bought right away i own right now but there was a two or three year gap in like 2010 to 2012-ish mm. that I rented. And it was the best feeling of my life, dude. Mm. It was, I didn't have to worry about And if you added up the rent price versus owning that same unit where you looked at your mortgage interest, everybody forgets that you're not paying that whole mortgage to yourself. The interest is going, it's gone, just like your rent is. Um, your homeowners association fees, that's money gone. You know what I mean? Uh, you need more homeowners insurance. You don't get that money back. You know, um, p- property taxes, especially in states that have property taxes like California and Illinois. Forget mm. forget about it, bro. So you add up those numbers, compare it to what that rent price is. Okay, now uh, it's about even. Don't forget, you have closing costs. Mm. You buy house, you got to pay a realtor commission. So now you start actually doing the math. Okay. Well, this only makes sense if it appreciates 4% a year and I own it for at least four years. Okay, fine. Are you going to do that? Now you did the math and it got you there. But what's hilarious is people get so pissed about that real because 95% of I made that number up. I don't know if it's 95%, <laughs> but, but, but 95% of the world don't do for investment purposes. They see their house as their nest egg. Mm. They see their 401k as their nest egg. Then that's it then that's it, all right? They're not diversified. Yeah, maybe they have a thousand bucks in an Ameritrade account that they f- go around with and bought bought Ethereum or something with, but <laughs> but, but at the end of the f- day, it, it, it's, it's slapping people in the face, the very idea that owning would not be a better option than renting when they've based their whole livelihood and retirement on this concept, mm. you know? That ain't my f- fault. I'm just giving you the math, guys. All right, you don't have to listen to me. And, and it's always so funny, man. When people scroll, especially when those reels go semi-viral, you get people that don't follow me. We'll mm-hmm. see that. Yeah. And you know, they're immediately think, "Oh, what's this 
guy saw and what's this saw and don't listen to this guy. Yeah, yeah. But the people that actually follow me can see that I'm actually just trying to help people. Right. I, I like really am. So you would never sell a course or a mastermind or anything? I put together this networking group. We we um we did an event in uh in Chicago recently that it was supposed to be an intimate networking thing with I wanted to cap it at fifty and I forgot to turn it off on the website when we were selling <laughs> tickets. So we ended up with like seventy five ish and uh it went really well, man. Nice. I, we were charged at two hundred fifty bucks a ticket, but it's nothing for it, that networking. I mean, dude, exactly, and that's what people don't understand. And I, I didn't make a penny on it. So now I'm when I did the math. I mean, because there was things like <laughs> the breakfast didn't have to be ninety dollars a head. We, didn't have to, <laughs> we did kind of everything higher end than it needed to be. So I, I, I didn't make any money on it. But it, it, it's now Sean led me to. Um, I really enjoyed it too, man. I really nice. enjoyed it by putting these, all these people in the room together that wouldn't have been otherwise. People flew in from Atlanta, from De uh, Florida, from New York, from Dallas, and it was a really good, good group of people. And um, there's demand for it now that, to, to do it again. And I think I might make that my thing. And I've, I've added now to it a curriculum and, and course that does come with a fee, but it's relatively inexpensive. I'm not one of those guys where like, hey, I'm gonna be a coach and I'm gonna teach you to be a coach too and pay me 50 grand and you get to hang out with me. It's not like that yeah. at all. It's you not your I mean? primary income. That's when it's an issue. When yeah. it's the person's primary income selling courses. Well, exactly, because they gotta shove it down your effing throat. Yeah. And and what are they selling a course on? How to get rich? Well, well, how the are you getting rich? You're getting rich by selling me a course hey, dude, this is your business plan yeah i'm gonna teach you how to become rich and it's gonna start with you paying me a thousand dollars like give me a break dude it's not yeah. it's not those ads every day man it's crazy you also said on your ig a lot of people in corporate america are miserable now you've worked in corporate america so you can make that statement mm -hmm. but what, what did you witness when you were working there well i think people get so wrapped up in um as robert kiyosaki talked about in rich dad poor dad the the, the rat race okay and you know you're trying to climb but you're not really ever accomplishing really anything and in your in your little sphere of employment you have this relevancy and yeah man you want to be your boss's boss one day and you might be able to get to his job when he's 42 and you're going to get this promotion and you're going to make president's club it's in jamaica next year and all this dude it all seems so important but it really doesn't matter everybody outside of your organization does not care okay and the first time i learned this bro i switched jobs i um, went from one insurance company to another one and i was like touting all these people this guy scott that worked at my other organization he was my boss's boss and all the dude no one at this new company even knew who the he was mm. i'm thinking it's this influential person that's changing the world yeah because we're brainwashed to think that and in, in this <laughs> corporate climate you know yeah, what i mean yeah. now over here Ken was that guy. We were all going to be Ken one day. And it's like, mm -hmm. dude, what the f you know, so once you actually have that epiphany, um, I, I, I think you, you get a lot happier. And, and, and the way, the, what I was saying about people that are W2 employees never actually being happy, it's the successful ones, mm. namely the successful sales ones, because it becomes out of whack. Now, that lower performing salesperson is typically overpaid in a business to business. That guy making 80 grand in a B2B sales environment. Dude, he's overpaid. He should mm. probably be making zero or not even have a job, but he has to exist. Okay. Exist in the, I'm not talking about 1099 commission only jobs. I'm talking about business to business corporate sales yeah. environments. Okay. That guy making 80 grand is actually overpaid. He should be making zero. Mm. The guy that's making 300 grand, 
he's subsidizing all those 80 grand guys down here. Mm. All right. That 300 grand guy is actually underpaid. Wow. All right. And it's a crazy way to look at it. Yeah. And it's true because that guy that's making 300 grand, they've now put the golden handcuffs on him Mm -hmm. to try to never get out this, get out of this place. That's crazy. You got a wife and kids or you got a husband and kids and whatever, dude, you're not going to quit your job, bro. You're making 300 grand. You nuts. (laughs) He'll make 3 million out on his own, bro. Mm. Man, it's been a pleasure. What are you working on next? Where can people find you? Um, 2000% Raise, man. 2000% Raise is my book that, that came out. Um, it's a very good, easy read. Uh, getting getting great reviews on Amazon. And um, also my podcast. I'm so excited about my podcast. Hoping to grow up to be, uh, be like you one day, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're already there, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for watching. And I'll see you guys next time.